I wanna be on the cover of Forbes magazine Smiling next to Oprah and the Queen Oh, every time I close my eyes I see my name in shiny lights Yeah, a different city every night Oh, I, I swear The world better prepare For when I'm a billionaire Well, hello again, South Florida entrepreneurs and wantapreneurs. Welcome to Scoring Your Business, a program brought to you by Palm Beach Score. We are a decades-old nonprofit organization with the single mission of providing free counseling to Palm Beach County's intrepid entrepreneurs. I am Penny Pompey, the organization's chairman and your host for tonight's show. I'd like to welcome Penny Rogers to our Scoring the Business show. Penny is the Vice President in Charge of SBA and Alternative Lending at Small Business Friendly Fifth Third Bank. Do you have any idea what the odds are against having two pennies on a radio show? Here are the facts. There have been 92,788 girls named Penny born in the U.S. since 1880. One out of the billions of people born in the past 35 years, just a tiny fraction are like us. However, we aren't here to talk about naming statistics, but we are here to talk about lending statistics. The sad truth is that many small business owners believe that the loan market is closed to them. So, Penny, what do you say to them? I would say that that, that is occasionally a true statement. and. It really starts with the small business owner understanding where they can access capital and how best to do that, whether that's through their personal finances, whether that's through a home equity. Um, there are other ways besides true formal lending to get access to capital. Okay, so talk about some of those. So some of the things that, um, if you go on the SBA.gov website, which is where I refer a lot of clients and a lot of business owners that I've worked with over the years, and I've been in banking for more than uh, 30 years, which will tell my age, unfortunately, but um, what I would tell you is, is that um, there are a variety of things that we have to look at as um, small business uh, owners and as entrepreneurs. And so it kind of starts with really looking at um, what your personal cash flow looks like and what your personal credit looks like. Um, so we start there, and, and so really a lot of times you're having to go to your family and your friends. Um, you're having to go to um, some of the not-for-profits that offer grants, uh, some of the municipalities that have small business loans. Um, you have to often, you know, take a home equity line of credit out and use your own equity that you've built up in your home. So those are the initial places that we always kind of start. Um, and then you go to the bank, and, and that's where, Penny, as you spoke, to building relationships. So um, as a small business owner and even as a large business owner, you have to have a relationship with what, what we would call trusted advisor relationship with your banker. Um, that means, you know, going in to a branch or calling on the phone or wherever the, the touch point is and, and really getting to know them, you know, opening yourself up as much as allowing them to learn about you and, and your family and you to learn about them. So isn't that kind of like inviting the fox into the hen house? So do you really? 
really want your banker to know everything about your business? I mean, it's kind of scary, right? It is scary. We don't really want your firstborn, so that's really? that's one of the things that's off the table. It's not on my business uh, documentation checklist. I don't really want your firstborn. It may feel like that. Um, a lot of times when we ask for information, it seems so heavy, and why are we asking for all that stuff? But um, really, truthfully, if you could be open and honest with your lender about what your passion is and what's driving the business and, and how you know this business is going to help our communities and how it's going to bring income and revenue so that you can repay the loan. I think those discussions, open and honest, that's really what it, that really is going to help you move your business along and get financing. So I read in a news clip that Fifth Third Bank is one of the nation's largest SBA lenders. That's a true statement. Very proud well, of good. that. Oh, good. I like true statements. Yes, that's a very, very um, true statement. And so we're how very many proud of billions that. of dollars does that mean in the last year? Um, I believe that the number in the last year, I, I can, I'm going to just do this because I don't have the, the exact number. That's but, okay. Close. Um, close is good. Throughout our footprint, which is what we call 17 regions. So we're centered out of um, Cincinnati, Ohio, um, and we're all through the Midwest, um, down into Texas and into uh, Florida as the farthest point. So um, I would tell you that we did... I want to say the number I saw last was like $19 billion worth. I don't know if that's true or not, over time. Um, and we're really focusing on the small businesses in our communities. Um, it is really something that is getting a lot of attention, whether it's getting attention from the national level, the state level. It, it's really important to our communities to use this product and this solution. So it, it used to be, I keep talking about the good old days, but it used to be that the SBA loan was, or SBA was the lender of last resort. But I understand that that is not the case anymore and that people come to a bank um, that specializes in SBA loans not because it's the only place they can get a loan, but because it's the best deal in town. And, and that's a great way to look at it, Penny, and, and I hope that the community in general looks at it like that. SBA is a very tedious and documentation heavy, so a lot of times it gets a bad reputation that, oh, it takes so long, and oh, I have to give my firstborn, right, which I just told you is not on the checklist. Um, <laughs> that we don't, we really don't want all How that. How about your grandmother? Do you have to, is that required? No, I don't want the no. grandmother okay, either. Good. I'm really good without that. Um, but if you want to bring her along and we can talk, I mean, I'm good with that. But no, the, the truth is, is that um, SBA products are really meant to supplement collateral. It's not meant to be um, a, a solution that helps when there's bad credit or when there's no credit. It's really built around adding value around collateral. Um, so if there's a shortfall of collateral, it could be, you know, you don't have any accounts receivable or you don't have a lot of inventory or you're a retail business and, you know, you're, you're turning over your inventory rapidly. Um, so it's really meant to be a, a, a support for, for collateral shortfall for lenders. Well, I have to admit that you sent me an email today with the with an attachment about the requirements to apply for a loan, and I looked at that, and my eyes glazed over. It's like I hate loan applications because they're just asked for documentation that you don't always have readily at your fingertips, so you spend hours and hours and hours trying to dig this stuff up. Can I tell you that the one thing I think that I find dealing with clients that they don't have our business plans and projections. So I know that's a that's a, a touch point for SCORE because I actually do refer a lot of people to the SCORE um, seminars and discussions, and I also refer them to the sba.gov site because 
those projections are really important for us to see how you're going to take those funds that we lend to you or those funds that you get from your family or those funds that you're going to inject from your own personal capital and how it's going to build that business. So a lot of people don't see the value in that. They don't really understand that they need to put that down in writing and use it as a management tool, not just a lending tool. So it's really important to start with that. Okay, so Penny, we're talking about SBA loans and Fifth Third Bank. Um, what is the biggest problem? You said business plans, but is there a minimum credit score that people have to have? Is there a minimum collateral level that people have to have? How does the SBA loan work? So the, the actual program, the actual um, program that SBA uh, implements throughout the nation is not credit score driven. Um, it's not that you have to have a certain credit score to be able to get a loan. Each of the individual banks that you'll deal with throughout the nation, um, and, and I'll speak to Fifth Third, we do have a, a targeted credit score that we use, uh, and we do use credit scoring models, which is allowed under the program um, for our SBA Express products, which would be anything below $50,000, and those are all originated in the branch and with our business bankers um, that are in our branches and in our, in our footprint throughout. But um, I would tell you that it's not credit score is a drive that we it's a focus point we do look at credit score um, so I would tell you that our goal in the marketplaces that we deal with is we're looking for somewhere near that 700 um, credit score mark but again that's not the only parameter we look at and what about collateral how collateralized does loan have to be hundred percent or can it be less so it can be less but that's where I kind of talked about SBA being a collateral driven a solution for for money is that we're actually looking at using the SBA guarantee as a supplement to the collateral to cover those collateral shortfalls. So in the example of accounts receivable or inventory or equipment, those are common uh, collaterals that we use in the SBA marketplace in lending in general. And so what I would tell you is that um, the, the product is really help to help the business owner cover their collateral shortfall. So it's not really that you need 100%, it's, it's gonna be driven by, by the risk. Have you ever made a loan that you regretted? Absolutely. <laughs> okay, well, can you tell us a story about that? Um, I can tell you that one of the things that is hardest is, you know, we're, we're human, and so we get excited about a business just like you do, right? We, we can get Correct. right into that passion, and we can really see it. And if you're a criminal or you have that criminal tendency, you know, you could convince a good listener and a person who's really about relationships you could convince them to do just about anything if you were really a good salesperson. So um, I have to tell you that uh, I've seen and I've been uh, involved in some litigation where there was fraud in the disclosures and fraud in what was happening. And so that's the loan I regret the most. And do you go after, do you file criminal charges on something like that? Um, so this had a government guarantee. It was another program, what we would call alternative lending. It was a USDA rural development loan, um, which is done in rural areas to help grow those areas. And there was fraud and um, we did file, you know, we did file uh, civil and then criminal charges were filed and the gentleman went to prison. So um, it does go that far. I mean, so if you lie and you are giving fraudulent information, it is a federal government and we are federal government, uh, you know, insured. So, 
And the way the loan works, as I understand it, is that the the government doesn't really give you money. The SBA doesn't give you money. That's correct. Is that correct? How that does is that correct. work? It is a guarantee, um, and we're required to meet all of the standards of our own underwriting guidelines, and we have to make sure that we're servicing the loan and collecting all the payments and applying the payments correctly um, based on our normal procedures. And um, without doing that, and there are times that it happens, um, you could lose that guarantee. So there's no money. We lend all of the money that we, you know, that we commit to. If it's 75% or 80% or 90%, whatever we commit to, um, and then we have to service it correctly to be able, if there's a default, to get the guarantee. We have to take a very short commercial break, but when we come back, we're going to be talking to Scott and Amy Angelo, owners of that wonderful Oceana Coffee up in Jupiter and Tequesta. They're going to tell us some real-world stories about starting a coffee roasting company from green beans and a popcorn popper. Talk to you soon. Let Oceana Coffee show you the way to a truly great cup of coffee. We source and custom roast only the top 5% of the world's beans. Oceana Coffee is what a cup of coffee should taste like. Stop by one of their cafes on Dixie Highway or U.S. Highway 1 in Tequesta or their Stewart location on Southeast Federal Highway to try it for yourself. You can also purchase Oceana Coffee beans for use in your home or at work. Oceana Coffee's cold brew is the perfect refreshment for a hot Florida a day. It's one of the smoothest cold brewed coffees you'll ever taste. For more information, go to www.oceanacoffee.com. Hello, it's Cynthia from Contemporary Living, conveniently located downtown at the Gardens. At Contemporary Living, we offer style and design close to home. American-made furnishings such as Copeland, Omnia, and Elite Modern are featured at Contemporary Living. If you're ready to move from bleak to chic, come into Contemporary Living today and we will schedule a free in-home design consult. Call me at 561-318-6014, 561-318-6014, or visit Contemporary Living PB. I want to be on the cover of Forbes magazine. Next Welcome back to Scoring Your Business on 900 AM Talk of the Palm Beaches. This is Penny Pompey with Penny Rogers, the two redheads on the show today. And now joining us are Amy and Scott Angelo, owners of Oceana Coffee. Welcome to the, to the show, Scott and Amy. So seriously, a popcorn popper? <laughs> yes, it was a $35 eBay special. Okay, and what did you do with you popped uh, you popped uh, green coffee beans? So Amy and I bought an amazing bag of coffee from a roaster in the west coast of the U.S. And uh, I thought, well, I'd like to have this every day without having to pay somebody else. So I thought, well... Um, Let's see what a popcorn maker can do. And so I bought a popcorn maker, $35, and pulled it apart and uh, grabbed a few bits and pieces from uh, Home Depot and from um, the electronics store and uh, assembled my own miniature coffee roaster. And it must have worked. It did. Uh, very successfully. It, used to, it was roasting uh, around a third of a cup of green beans at a time and... Uh, the kitchen, the inside and the kitchen bench is not the first place to test your roaster. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> and you know this because? We ran our first batch through the roaster on uh, on my 
my uh, in-laws um, kitchen bench and we ended up with uh, smoke and alarms going off and chaff running and flying everywhere so it was quite a it was quite an experience and as I recall that popcorn popper is still sitting in your Jupiter roasting house is that true it is uh, we have it in the US one store up there on the proud display on one of the shelves Still you're operational. Gonna, you're going to encase it in bronze someday, and this is where you started, right? <laughs> Absolutely. It's a, it's a great story and a great great way that we started. It definitely uh, pays homage to the pursuit of a dream. Absolutely. Okay, so we have to find out how clearly um, you're not from the United States of America, Scott, um, and Amy sounds like you are. Yes. And so tell us about how you two met, because I think it's a very interesting story about how this whole thing came about. It could be very interesting. No. It's, we met here. I grew up here in Jupiter, um, and I was a teacher at the time, and Scotty was here as a marine engineer on a private yacht. So that's how we actually we met, um, and I was introduced to the industry with Scotty, and we ended up traveling around the world for about seven years together and on private on private yachts lot. yes um and it was something that i had never really considered that it could be a job i'd seen boats like that and never never understood that it could be a job um but i love to travel and this was an amazing opportunity that um scotty opened my eyes to so we got to spend many years traveling around the world, tasting and experiencing some of the world's best food, wine, coffee, um, and living in Australia for the time that we did. That's really, that's really where we had our love of coffee just kind of that grew for us there. So, Scott, you are from Australia. I am, from the land and under. Okay. And coffee roasting is a big business down there. Funny enough, you know, um, it... It wasn't, and it is now. The the Australians and the Antipodeans seem to see something and see if they can reinvent it or recreate it at some level. The Australians are a funny breed. So uh, when we, Amy and I moved back to Australia, as you said, we went back there in 2006, roughly, and uh, there was maybe three or four predominant roasters, coffee roasters, in Brisbane City. And uh, we went back recently to visit, and there's at least 20 these days. So the industry has really grabbed a hold of the coffee world, and uh, the boys from down there are doing a great job. They're really pushing the limits and, um, you know, turning up all over the place, or even invading the U.S. So what is that market like here in South Florida? How many competitors do you have in the custom coffee roasting business? Yeah. it grows every week. Well, that's, <laughs> yes. well Actually, competition is a good thing, right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, four years ago when we started Oceana Coffee, there was um, a, a roaster over in Tampa. Um, Panther had just come to town into Miami, and there was us here in, uh, in Jupiter Tequesta, and I think that was about the limits of it at that stage. But there are more now? These days, yes. The, these days we've got uh, roasters... Pretty close by West West Palm Beach and um, a few in Jacksonville. A few really good guys in Jacksonville and Orlando. So they're popping up all over the place. So is it kind of on a trend with the craft breweries 
and mm. the craft wineries. Is it the, the same kind of trajectory, do you think? I'd love it if it was. I'd certainly love it if it was. Um, not quite the same acceleration as the as the beer guys. I've got some very good friends who own a few bre- local breweries. Um, I think Florida is probably a few years behind the West Coast and Oregon and Seattle where the, the boom coffee industry is right now. Um, you know, even New York and Chicago are pretty strong with the coffee industry, but Florida's catching on slowly but surely. We're, um, you know, I feel like we were the pioneers at the front line of the <laughs> bush trail four years ago, and, and part of our passion and education has been the education of the public, and we've, you know, we've enjoyed it. It's, it's been a, a long process, and we're still, it's still gaining momentum. Okay, so walk us through this process. So you get a green bean from somewhere, um, let's say, I don't know, Brazil, for example. How do you know that that green bean is going to have is going to be flavorful, and how do you then get it to where to your store, and then how do you roast it and get it into into uh, onto the shelves? Uh, it's a it's a long process. Um, for me, the the beginning of the process is uh, we belong to the SCAA, which is a Specialty Coffee Association of America, and the only coffee that we buy is part of the top 5% of coffees available. So let's use Brazil, for example. Um, we, we use um, dedicated green bean buyers, so guys that I've worked with and developed my relationships with over the years. I trust their judgments, and they know, they know the style of coffee that I like to roast, and and so they actually go and source a lot of it for me direct from the farms so when we talk about in oceana coffee when we talk about um, single origin it's not just the country say brazil or the region which could be um, cerrado it's actually the farm we're right down to the level of the farm that we know where our beans come from and from there um, i'll get some samples i'll get a, a big collection of samples i'll roast them and amongst the amongst those, I'll, I'll choose the ones that I, you know, and most of it's personal preference. You know, um, at at such a level, I it's selfish, it's selfish taste and selfish needs and selfish wants. Um, I love coffee and I want the best that I can have, and so I bring in some of the some really really nice coffees and um, I bring it in. I roast the sample. I cup it. I say to the green bean buyer, "Okay, we're good for this one. I'll take." 10 bags, 20 bags, 30 bags. For How the much year. is in a bag? 150 pounds a bag. So I'll, I talk in bags when I buy from the broker and uh, then from there, uh, transport it to me. I hold it in storage and then each week I roast, um, I roast all the coffee every week. So we roast um, Mondays and Tuesdays for all of our wholesale accounts to be delivered on Wednesday and then Thursday, Friday for the public on the weekends. And, you know, there's, it's, it's super fresh all the time, sitting on the shelf. You know, it's there's you'll never find a bag older than a week sitting on it on our shelves in our shops. Okay, so Amy, you are the um, the marketing arm of Oceana Coffee, as well as doing all of the other tasks like administration and bookkeeping and all the fun stuff and uh, employee management and all of the other yes. things. Uh, so, <laughs> so um, when you meet a prospective. Uh, commercial account Um, let's say there's a country club that is talking to you about maybe using your coffee so what is it that you tell them because your coffee is not the normal 
um, Maxwell House um, that goes for two bucks a pound. Um, yours is considerably more, but yes. it's considerably <clears throat> better. So what do you tell them? Well, it's a that's a great question, Penny. It's I always go back to comparing it to the craft beers. Um, and that seems to help them understand it the best because coffee has been a very underrated sort of um, – everyone has low expectations of their coffee. You go to a diner and you have an endless cup of brown liquid and it's coffee. And it's usually really bad. It's usually really bad. So people's expectations are very low to start out with. So when you – when you come in and you compare craft beer with some of the larger, um, you know, beer manufacturers that have just been pumping beer out forever, it's cheap beer, they understand the difference between cheap beer and craft beer. They understand the flavors. They understand what goes into it. So I compare the craft beer industry to um, the craft coffee industry. Because a lot of what happens, our customers will say, well, this coffee is much more expensive. I can't, I can't afford to do this. So we break it down for them in price. And really what they're looking at is about an increase of $0.12 cents per cup in cost. And we help them to tell the story of why this coffee is so special, why you know it's being handpicked at origin. It's not being picked by big machines. It's being handpicked. It's the top 5% of what's available. It's roasted by us. The flavors in this coffee are very unique. Um, so all of that goes into it. Um, we help their staff. We help their um, employees taste the coffee and taste some of those flavor profiles that we that we can talk to them about. And it helps them to sell the product. So we always we always encourage them to raise their prices a little bit um, just to help cover that cost, but also. It's a much better product. You should be charging more. If you, I don't know if I can mention brands, but if you're, um, you know, if oh, go you're, ahead. What if the you're heck? expecting, um, you know, if you want a Budweiser, buy a Budweiser. But if you want a really nice Tequesta Brewing Company beer, um, it's going to be more. So, so you equate it to the the specialty brewers, which makes it easier for them to understand. Absolutely. Also the same with wine. Mm -hmm. You know, do you want two buck chuck or do you want um, silver oak? Exactly. It just depends. Um, so you were talking earlier, uh, well, you were listening to, uh, to Penny talk about the SBA loans. And um, during the commercial break, Scott, I heard you talk about the, um, your SBA loan. And the the pluses and the minuses of getting that loan. You want to talk about it? Sure. Um, we we decided that uh, with our new store opening on US one, we decided we would um, look to build a relationship with a, a local bank and look to build a relationship with um, larger financial um, institutes, so we could, you know, Oceana Coffee's growing, so we wanted to be able to fuel it into the future. So we reached out to um, the SBA, SBA chapter here. Um, Paragon was who we uh, and sat down and had a talk with us, and um, we decided to go ahead with it. it was um, it it was quite a, a process, and I think you know the result for us in the end was was fantastic. You know there were great rates and and uh, you know good guys to deal with, but the process does take. Be patient, and I'm not usually one of those kind of characters. So, but so they didn't ask for your firstborn 
son, though. I thought they did, but they weren't <laughs> going to get him. So. <laughs> Just your second-born daughter. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> no, they definitely can't have her either. So, but um, maybe, maybe my mother-in-law. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they might want the grandmother in our yeah. case. <laughs> no, no, but she's gone. even in this, in the, our situation, it took a little. It took about six months, maybe even more than six months. So, in a lot of cases, you are you're paying for things before you have a loan. So it was definitely, it got tricky at the end and it was very exciting roller coaster ride of, yes, you have the loan. Yes, it's coming. Okay. I don't know that exciting is the right adjective. (laughs) Maybe not. (laughs) Terrifying. (laughs) Well, definitely what Penny was saying about access to capital, it's, you definitely, um, it, I think for me, it's a little bit of karma and you definitely get to reflect on who is beside you and who's going to be there and weather the storm. Um, we land on quite a few people, family and friends, and you know, even my folks and friends over in, uh, in Australia put their hands up and uh, family here and helped us get to the position of you know, SBA saying, well, here you go, here's your check. And, and both of us, I think, laid down in the middle of the construction floor and just were like, oh, <laughs> the day has finally come. So it was quite, you know, it was quite a, a challenge. It was quite, I wouldn't say exciting, but, you know, we got there. And the purpose of the loan was to build out your store, mm-hmm. your new store on US 1, right, in yeah, Tequesta. Solely for it, yeah. And that's, what was it, an empty space? It's in a retail, like, mall. Yeah, we we walked into it was actually a hot yoga studio, and uh, the place it was still when we walked into it in a retail mall up there in Tequesta, it was as it was. The person had literally turned the lights off and walked out the door, so the wooden floors and the heaters and the panels and everything was still there and all hacked up wood floors and everything was still there. So it was amazing. So we gutted the place and built it as it is today. It's and, we love it. It turned out spectacular. It's a fabulous uh, store. So just because we want to give you a little bit of plug, so why don't you do the addresses for both of the stores so that people okay. that are listening can make use of it. And also your website, because you can order c- your coffee on the web. Yes, you can. You can order your, our coffee right on the web, and we'll deliver it right to your house using U.S. Postal Service. Um, so whether you're near or far, we can ship you the freshest coffee in town. Um, our website is www.oceanacoffee.com. Our roasting house is located at 221 Old Dixie Highway, uh, and that's number one in Tequesta. And our newest location, the Oceana Coffee Lounge, is on US 1 in Tequesta. That's at 150 North US Highway 1. And the north is important, um, and that's in Tequesta. Diagonally opposite TBC? Yes. <laughs> we have to take a, a short commercial break, but we'll be right back. And remember, our phone lines are open. Call us at 877-960-9960. Remember, you can tweet about the show using hashtag score your business. 
Let Oceana Coffee show you the way to a truly great cup of coffee. We source and custom roast only the top 5% of the world's beans. Oceana Coffee is what a cup of coffee should taste like. Stop by one of their cafes on Dixie Highway or U.S. Highway 1 in Tequesta or their Stewart location on Southeast Federal Highway to try it for yourself. You can also purchase Oceana Coffee beans for use in your home or at work. Oceana Coffee's cold brew is the perfect refreshment for a hot floor a day. It's one of the smoothest cold brewed coffees you'll ever taste. For more information, go to www.oceanacoffee.com. Hello, it's Cynthia from Contemporary Living, conveniently located downtown at the Gardens. At Contemporary Living, we offer style and design close to home. American-made furnishings such as Copeland, Omnia, and Elite Modern are featured at Contemporary Living. If you're ready to move from bleak to chic, come into Contemporary Living today and we will schedule a free in-home design consult. Call me at 561-318-6014, 561-318-6014, or visit Contemporary Living PB. Welcome back to Scoring Your Business. This is Penny Pompey with Scott and Amy Angelo, owners of Oceana Coffee, along with Penny Rogers from Fifth Third Bank. Remember to call to tweet about the show using hashtag ScoreYourBusiness. So I'd like to hear from all three of you, Amy, Scott, and Penny, about the advice that you would give somebody who is listening to the show who says, gee, I want to do that, or I want to do a craft brewery, or I want to do a craft winery, or craft anything, where you're actually creating something out of nothing. What kind of advice would you give them? Wow. Don't don't do it? No, I wouldn't say don't do it, but I, I think when we started, we didn't know that we were going to turn this into a business. It truly started as the world's most expensive hobby. And then the neighbors found out what we were doing and then friends and family. So it really grew kind of organically. And I think if you stay true to what you are doing, you know, we ha- we continue and we tell ourselves all the time, we're, we're experts in coffee, stick to the coffee. We're not bakers, we're not, you know, we're experts in coffee. So if you stick to what you are really true and passionate about you'll find a way things doors open that you didn't know were there well you hit on one of the keys um that we always talk to uh, aspiring entrepreneurs about that there's there's three secrets to becoming successful just like real estate is location 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 and with entrepreneurship it's passion 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 because if you're not passionate about it you will get um, you you will fall down because it's really hard. And I think that's one of the things that I pick up from what you guys have said is that this is a it's a lot harder than you thought in the beginning. Absolutely. It's, you know, one of the things I think my big part of this is find is to my advice would be to find uh mentors. You know, I know we've reached out and we're part of um, SCORE's new program, but it, it, all around, whenever I get the opportunity, I, I talk to, um, you know, the boys at TBC are good friends of mine, and Twisted Trunk and uh, a few others, and I sit down when I get the chance and we just compare notes from time to time and understand what some of the bumps are when they get, when we grow and when we, you know, how do we solve small issues and 
you know, it, to go back to it all, it's a passion. It, it never started out as a, um, as a business. It was never a plan of a business. It was always, it was built selfishly, like I said before, from pursuit of, I want a great coffee. I wanted it every day. I'm not, you know, even to a, to a point where I wouldn't go out to breakfast because I couldn't find a good coffee. And Amy used to kick me a lot, but, you know, I was, I really, coming from home, just what's the point you know what's the point in drinking terrible coffee or drinking bad beer or a horrible wine what's the point it's hard to go back once you know what a good coffee beer or wine is you can't go back that is very true you can't once you've tasted the best you can't go back to drinking like you said was brown water is that how you described it yes (laughs) with a little caffeine kick (laughs) maybe maybe Maybe. Penny, what do you think about what an aspiring business owner should be thinking about? So what I would tell you is I actually have owned my own business in the last couple of years, and so passion was what took me outside of banking. And I can tell you that you have to follow your passion, but you have to know when you want to start a business or you're going to start a business, can you make money? Can you make a living? Can you pay your bills? Can you raise your family? Um, can you support those things that you need, the necessities of life? And so you have to be realistic and you have to really do the research. So that means, you know, go look at the demographics, do the research, get the data, understand what you're going to sell and how you're going to sell it. So it kind of, sorry to keep giving plugs to a score, but again, I refer a lot back to this is, you know, how do you price it? How do you build that business to make money for your family? Because you're not just in it just to donate money. Maybe you are, and that's a not-for-profit. But if you want a profitable business, business and you want to raise your family and and, and pay your bills, you have to know that background information. So I would say, you know, it is about passion and you have to have passion to continue. For me, my passion brought me back into banking and and brought me back into this position where ultimately I am helping small businesses and I'm helping build our communities um, through this product and solution. So you got to do the research. So, Penny, give yourself a plug, too. What is your email address in case people want to get in touch with you? Thank you very much, Penny. It is Penny, period, Rogers, R-O-D, as in David, G-E-R-S, at 53.com. It's a strange name for a bank, Fifth Third. It doesn't really make any sense. Well, uh, since we're speaking of uh, fine wines and uh, alcohol, the the stories are supposedly that there were two banks back in the early days, and they merged. And you couldn't call it three-fifths because what? It was the prohibition. (laughs) So you couldn't have three-fifths of anything. So we decided to go with Fifth Third. But the truth is, it is an original bank, um, Fifth Bank, kind of, and Third Bank, and there was a merger. Um, and the shareholders decided to call it Fifth Third. And it is, you know, we've been in business a very long time, so we have a very strong background and a very strong base to build uh, and support our communities. It's still a strange name. It is still a strange <laughs> name. <laughs> but it, it gets people talking, so... You like the prohibition comments, though, I would guess. I do, yeah, yeah I like that. That's, yeah. I mean, that's really... Three-fifths. But, but three-fifths of a bank, that's not going to be right. a good marketing thing. So right. fifth-thirds of a bank is pretty good. That's it's like right. more than one. More right, than one. exactly. <laughs> I'm still getting the hang of that fifth lingo thing over here, so... Oh, you don't call it that in Australia? No. What do you call it? I've got a. I don't know what would, what it, was it reference. That's that's what I have to work out. What it oh, actually the fifth. It, it's a. It's the way liquor is sold here. Okay. Is a fifth. All right. I need to look it up. <laughs> yeah, something cool. to learn. Yes. 
So I'm looking at a at a uh, press clipping here, uh, Scott, that says that you are a gold medal winner for Oceana Coffee Roasters. Would you tell us about that? Is it it's recent, right? Yeah, September. Okay. Um, it, yeah, I think it was just September. Um, for the last for the last ten years, there's been a major uh, there's. Let me step back. In the, in the U.S., there's really no major um, coffee roasting competitions. There's a lot of latte art competitions. There's a lot of um, uh, barista competitions, a lot of World Cup sort of things. Um, so in Australia, they for the last 10 years, they've been running a roasters competition for all the coffee roasters around the country to enter um, a coffee in six different categories. They finally uh, bought the competition here September this year. Um, they started advertising early in the year, and I said to Amy, I might throw a few coffees into this and just see how we how we do, just as a as a um, a gauge pointer, as a um, to just to test the test how my coffees are doing. I'm always willing to throw myself in there and and push the limits and see where I stand. So uh, we sent four coffees over. It's the Golden Bean. It's called the Compact Golden Bean. Um, North America, so it included Canada and the USA, and we sent four coffees over, and we won four medals. So um, wow, very good. Was was there's a little bit of a story behind it, um, but it was unbelievable, very humbling, very um, still takes me by surprise. The uh, we won gold in the uh, milk-based espresso with a blend that I built. Uh, we won silver for our barley blue that you can find on the shelf. That won the uh, silver medal in the organic espresso coffees. And then uh, a coffee from Ethiopia that I entered in two other categories picked up bronze in in the in the categories that it was entered into. So, um, you know, big smile. And uh, it's – I always like to prove myself amongst my peers. I don't – I don't look for rec- accolades or recognition. Quite the contrary, you know, Amy. I push Amy up the front every time, and but to have the coffees perform the way they did, and uh, was, you know, it's a great moment for a, a little, a little operation down in Florida, taking on the big guns of the U.S. Did Did you get actual medals? Yeah, I did. Uh, and they are arrived. they hanging in the in one of your stores? Yeah, they're uh, they arrived last week, and. Um, we're working on mounting them. We're gonna. They, they came with a nice big certificate and uh, a medal, and we're gonna frame them up and hang them in the stores. Absolutely. <laughs> um, you also have a, a nice little meeting room in your uh, Tequesta uh, store. Is that available for groups to use? It is. We have we have people that rent it for as short as one hour. Um, we have people that will rent it for half the day. So it's a it's a nice conference room. You can close the doors. Um, you know, we include coffee and treats with the the rate of the room rental. But we have other people that want to come and do a business lunch, and we we have a great um, chef that we work with that will do a very nice box lunch for us. So it's a good thing whether it's a baby shower or business. Okay, so for those folks out there that are listening that might want to rent a little room for, to host their event, it, it would be a great place to, uh, to bring your friends and ha- enjoy some fabulous coffee in the process. So um, 
I learned something when I was uh, out with you doing something. I don't know. We were going somewhere, and you were talking about some restaurants use a kind of like is it a frozen ice cube coffee? What is that? I don't. I've never heard of it before, so that surprised me that you talked about it as if it's commonplace. It's. Um, I'm not sure that it's common that there's a lot of companies doing it. We know of one company that's pretty large, and they're they ship this coffee all over at least the country, if not the world. But it is a frozen concentrated coffee. Um, so it's it's made in a process similar to how we make our cold brew. But then this this concentrated coffee is sold frozen, and you dilute it as you need to brew coffee. And like one cube at a time, you take the cube and you put hot water in it, and it becomes coffee. Not, not quite. quite. They they have their own special machines. So it basically comes in a large block of ice, and you stick this block into the machine. It thaws and brews the coffee as you need it. Oh, so it's like the old ice box where you get a big chunk of ice. Only this one's a, a coffee. Just it's all, all coffee. Coffee, coffee yes. concentrate. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Seems like quite a process. Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit about uh, your cold brew. You basically mentioned it, and you've been talking about uh, going public with a mass marketing cold brew. I've been reading in the paper that this is all very um, trendy now to get cold coffee. I don't personally like cold coffee. I, just, I like my coffee hot, but uh, I know a lot of people don't. So tell us about that. Well, um, it's our cold brew, cold brew coffee. The difference between iced coffee quickly and cold brew coffee is that uh, iced coffee is generally a hot coffee that is put in the fridge and chilled down. Um, cold brew coffee is um, brewed, no no hot water involved, and it's a put it's filtered and um, put to sleep for 16 hours. And with our coffee and our cold brew concentrate, we um, we brew the we put the coffee and the water together. And uh, we let it steep overnight, 16 hours, and uh, it's crazy smooth. And uh, crazy smooth. It's one of my my one of my go-to coffees. Remember, for Palm Beach Score, the fruit of our labor grows on your trees. Now, for Penny's two cents, ideas are easy, implementation is hard. I wanna be on the cover of Forbes magazine, smiling next to Oprah and the Queen. Oh, every time I close my eyes, I see my name in shiny lights. Yeah, a different city every night. Oh, I, I swear the world better. Prepare for when I'm